Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, the Major League Baseball winter meetings will be virtual, but that doesn't mean that the Rays and GM Eric Neander isn't hard at work. Will the Rays trade Blake Snell? What's the impact of losing Charlie Morton? They need pitching and catching again. And could even Kevin Kiermeyer be on the move? We'll discuss all that and more with Mark Topkin, the Rays beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Strada, the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, Mr. Empanada would like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. With the holidays coming up, what better way to celebrate than to safely get together with family and friends? And you know what? You can also call the folks at Mr. Empanada. Any gathering can include their beautiful mini empanadas or Cuban sandwiches. Mr. Empanada appreciates their customers. They'd like to show their eagerness to move into 2021. And what better way to do it than to go ahead and order online at MrEmpanada.com, or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. Mark Topkin joins us now, and and Mark, typically um, you would either be on your way or in a hotel suite somewhere in Dallas for the Major League Baseball winter meetings that no longer exist. So I know you had a chance to talk to Race General Manager uh, Eric Neander uh, for your story in the Tampa Bay Times, and you can read it on TampaBay.com. How are they? How are they conducting what, whatever this is virtually? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of being called the virtual winter meetings, Rick. But I don't think it's really the winter virtual winter meetings as much as you know. There's a few agenda items they have to do, like Major League Baseball on Monday announced the you know winner of the Roberto Clemente Award. There's going to be some things like that. But as far as you know, team officials and scouts and general managers talking to each other or teams meeting with agents. I mean, for the most part. It's going to just be done, you know, conveniently over the phone via text. I mean, maybe the occasional FaceTime or Zoom. But I don't think that we're going to see uh, the structure. And, and, you know, some years it's a flurry. Some years it's not. Last year there actually was a bit of news out of the winter meetings with Garrett Cole and a few other big names signing. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of that this week and, and maybe going forward never again just because there's no deadline. I mean, the Rays were always, you know, kind of of the opinion and, and were consistent in saying, you know, they never felt – any pressure or obligation to make moves during the winter meetings. You know, it was really just a chance for everyone to be in the same building and everyone's thinking the same way. And sometimes it's spurred deals, usually after, not during. But I just think that baseball is going to lose that. And unless they make some fundamental changes, you know, whereas the NBA, think about that NBA, NFL free agency, it opens. And a lot of times there's action right away. Yeah. Baseball free agency has been open for weeks now and there've only been a handful of signings. So there's no real cause for that. And, I think the uncertainty that a lot of teams, including the Rays, face over what are the finances going to be in 2021, you know, i.e., are there going to be fans, are there going to be 81 home games or, you know, 50 home games, things like that, that they don't know yet because of the virus, is going to even drag this out uh, longer and longer into the offseason. Yeah, and I would definitely think that would affect a a small market team even more so uh, with the Rays, and we've already maybe seen some of the effects of that. Um, We haven't had a chance to talk to you since Charlie... Freaking Morton decided to uh, to sign with the Atlanta Braves. 
How how surprised were you and 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 Mark? I mean, obviously he decided to continue his career um, in a place he's familiar with, but uh, I guess not that far from home. Uh, th- this was a financial decision, though, as well. I think it was Rick, and and you know, I, I I don't know that it's fair to say the Rays misjudged the market. I think the Rays basically had a line, and and whatever that number was, and whether it was, you know, I'd heard they were willing to go some of the eight to twelve range, which is obviously a wide range. Uh, mm-hmm. And even if it was at the top end of that, I mean, maybe in a way you applaud their discipline in saying this is what we think, you know, Charlie Morton's worth. This is what we can afford to pay him. And if it exceeds that, we just can't do it and willing to let him walk away. I mean, I don't think it was a matter of, you know, $50 or $100 or anything like that, obviously. And um, so I think once the Rays declined the option, in, in my mind, my gut feeling was they were going to lose him. He was going to go find that 15 million he was looking for elsewhere. I guess where it would have gotten interesting would have been, let's just, you know, pick a team that would not have been conducive to his lifestyle situation. He wanted to stay, you know, with the team that trained near his home in Bradenton. He wanted to stay with a team on the East coast and preferably, you know, Southeast or Midwest or uh, mid Atlantic kind of area. You know, if the Seattle Mariners had offered him that 15 million and the Rays were at, you know, 11 or 12, maybe he would have said, you know what, it's worth the lifestyle change to stay mm. where, lifestyle benefit to stay where I want to go. But the situation he got with Atlanta, it's not going to be as convenient as it was with the Rays, but it's pretty good. I mean, spring training in Northport, you know, even closer to his home in Bradenton, he commuted when the Rays, when they were, you know, in Port Charlotte, obviously playing in Atlanta, he's, you know, got to get a place there. He's not going to be able to live at home all season as he did with the Rays, but pretty easy to get back and forth if, you know, the family does want to come up and visit him or stay with him. So, he got close to what he had. Nothing will match the community he had with the Rays. And look, here's the other thing, Rick. And, and you know, I have no idea how he's going to pitch this year. He might win the Cy Young Award in 2021. But, you know, he's 37 years old. He did not get through this past season without a shoulder issue. He's had some issues in the past. That 2019 season was great. He certainly was not the pitcher in 2020. He was in 2019. And, you know, I'm sure that factored into the calculations the Rays made. And yet I would imagine, Mark, that uh, his imprint will be left uh, long after he, he's done putting on that Rays uniform because he, he mentored a lot of young arms on that on that staff. He did, Rick. And, and you know, you've seen it in, in football locker rooms and, and we've seen it in other places, too. But, you know, you have that veteran guy who is just respected by everyone mm. and the impact and the influence he can have. One of the one of the, you know, more in to me indelible moments of, of this. And I know we ran it in the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, Dave Haller, the race PR director, actually took the picture and put it on Twitter. It was after the race clinched the AL East, uh, which was actually in New York when they were playing the Mets, which is the whole point of the weird schedule. But they beat the Mets. They clinched the AL East that night, and they celebrated in the clubhouse with confetti cannons and uh, silly string and things like that, befitting one of your beautiful daughter's birthday parties more so than a bunch of grown men clinching a division title. But that's what 2020 was about. And... um, Charlie Morton swept up. Mm. Dave Hallett took a picture of Charlie Morton sweeping up the clubhouse floor just so the clubhouse Mm. staff with the Mets wasn't burdened with this extra work to do. And, you know, that just to me was such a capsulization of his empathy and his concern for everyone else. And he always wanted to make sure everybody was taken care of. And I know we talked to him during the postseason a couple times on some Zoom calls. He just had these poignant interviews where he talked, for example, of, you know, how he felt for the clubhouse staff in Texas, you know, the Rangers were out of it. They were one of the worst teams in baseball in 2020, but because the world series was at their stadium, you know, their staff had to quarantine and stay away from their families and work an extra month. 
And, you know, here's Charlie Morton, who's pitching in this World Series for the Rays. And that, you know, part of what he's thinking about is the clubhouse staff or the Rangers of having to work these games. And so there were things he brought that you just can't quantify. And certainly his expertise, his competitiveness, his ability to get everything out of his talent and the strategy of things of just having been around. So he brought an incredible amount, Rick. There's no doubt about it. Um, you talk about a, a senior leader of a staff. I mean, even if the Rays come back intact otherwise, you know, who's the leader of the staff? I mean, it's it's kind of Blake Snell by default. I mean, he certainly has had the most success with that Cy Young Award on his shelf. And, and if he were to be traded, you know, you really have a staff without that kind of veteran leader at all. You don't really have that in the bullpen either. So it's definitely a big loss from the pitching side. You know, they'll have to try to find somebody to fulfill that role, but not probably as, as well as Charlie did. And as usual, uh, if it's um, the winter meetings or or sometime uh, in the late fall, uh, we're talking about the Rays and we're talking about catching. <laughs> um, <laughs> this seems to be an annual occurrence, but uh, yes, Mike Zizino and, and uh, Kevin Smith, I guess, are still being talked to, but are now free agents. Uh, they have Ronaldo Hernandez on the 40-man roster. Uh, maybe not be ready uh, at this point, but so are, is there a likelihood that uh, one or, or uh, either of those gentlemen come back, and or is there is there somebody that they could potentially uh, sign with their limitations that they have? Well, I mean, it's probably a, a yes to all the above, and, and I think you have to put a trade aspect in there too, because you know, I, I the question is going to be. Are they going to get a short-term, another short-term solution here and patch it for another year? Or do they go try to find somebody to be that long-term guy? I mean, Ronaldo Hernandez has got some promise. He's probably not a 2021 player. I mean, he's probably a 2022 guy. And even that, I don't think you would think, sit here and think he's the starter then. So do they try and go get a guy to play for a couple, you know, to be good for a couple of years? Uh, so I think that's an avenue. And certainly if they were to trade, as I've written, you know, a couple times now, if they were to trade Snell or Kiermaier, you would assume that would be to get a package of players back. Maybe there's a way to get a catcher in that regard. They don't have the pitching depth they've had in the past because of some injuries. They do have some middle infield depth. So there's some there's some avenues to make a trade for a catcher. You know, the free agent market after you take uh, Real Muto and McCann off there is not particularly promising. And of the guys non-tendered this past week, I mean, Kurt Casale, who'd been with the Rays, was probably the best of that group. So you know, there's just not a ton of options that just are glaring out there to find that number one lead guy. So I think that's part of the challenge the Rays have to decide is, do you, you know, try to find somebody that you can trade for to be a, a big-time guy? Do you try to find a way to patch this together for another year? Do you bring Zanino back? You know, obviously at a reduced salary, they declined a $4.5 million option and try to pair him with somebody else. They let Mikey Perez go, and he's with the Pirates now, claimed on waivers. So you know, I, I think that they don't know yet, to be honest. I think they're going to go into this thinking, you know, we're going to need two or three of these guys signed by February you know, 1st or so, but it's only December 7th, and see where that leads. I mean, I think cer- certainly if you're looking to, or at least you're receptive to trading Blake Snell, you've got to be more focused on that deal than you are on finding that catcher at this point. I think there's some certain things they have to prioritize, and then maybe they overlap, maybe they don't. My point was you don't want to go sign a catcher that you're going to kind of settle for, and then you make a trade where you can get a really good catcher, and now you've kind of duplicated your efforts. So I think you probably have to address the more pressing needs, figuring you're going to find a catcher or two. There's going to be some guys available. All right, absolutely. And and the biggest currency that they have, of course, is a guy you wrote about last Sunday, um, which is Blake Snell. And... I, you know, it was interesting, Mark, when I read your interview with him, that almost immediately upon signing, you know, his his contract extension, which I think was a good deal for the Rays, 
um, certainly, and, and probably for him too, he he figured, you know, I've I've seen this movie, you know, I've I've seen this happen with other players, David Price to name one, um, but you know, when you win a Cy Young, um, you know, you you have such great value in in such uh, immense talent and the ability to you know to earn a lot more money maybe in another market, but regardless, um, he anticipated that he might be on the block, and is he surprised that he's on it? perhaps as soon as it is now. Yeah, I think that's where the surprise element came in, Rick. I think that, you know, you sign a five-year deal, you're with the Rays, you probably figure after year three, you might hear some rumors, and after year four, you probably get traded. And I'm I'm kind of stepping into Blake's head a little bit, but we did talk for quite a while the other night, and I do think that was kind of, you know, what I took out of that, that that was his thought process. And you know, and he even said, you know, maybe in maybe in year five, I don't get traded because we're going to be really good that year and a chance to win it all. And they just roll the dice and want to keep me to win it. You know, he even had that thought. And, you know, that kind of played out. I mean, you know, Carl Crawford is a guy that stayed and went through free agency. And then he ended up signing with the Boston Red Sox. B.J. Upton stayed. He went through free agency, ended up signing with the Atlanta Braves. So they they haven't traded everyone. I mean, they don't always trade these guys, but Evan Longoria was traded. David Price was traded. James Shields was traded. Chris Archer was traded. You know, Wade Davis was traded, and we can go on and on. So they do often trade these guys, and, you know, I kind of applaud Blake's awareness of that. Um, And he said when he first heard it, like I said, I wrote something about mid-November saying it was a possibility, and he said at first he thought, nah, no way. And then he started hearing a little bit more, and, you know, he started seeing it written a little more, and he said he talked to a few people. He didn't want to say who, but kind of got the sense like, yeah, this might be a real thing happening right now. So he's he's kind of steeled himself, I think, mentally that if it happens, it happens. But, you know, he made it clear in the article in the Times that, you know, his preference, of course, would be to stay here. Mark, I would think uh, the way Blake Snell pitched uh, in the postseason and, and in, in particular the World Series, and, you know, we've, we've beaten to death the, uh, you know, the, the whole <laughs> – uh, Kevin Cash coming to get him maybe a little too soon thing, but um, he had to have gained a whole lot of confidence and, and I would, and, and his, his value, I would imagine is, isn't going to go much higher. And what I mean by that is, look, we don't know what's going to happen next season with this team. We don't know, you know, win loss record isn't necessarily the thing, right? But he showed he can perform on the biggest stage and, and, and do it in a dominating fashion. He did, Rick, and, and you know they brought him along slowly at the start of the year, but he showed he was healthy. You know, he had the elbow surgery in July of last year, in July of 2019, and you know he'd come back at the end. But you know it was a little bit of a proving ground for Blake Snell to show that. I mean, and, you know what's interesting, and if it, if there were to be some serious trade talks, it would be an interesting conversation because if you were acquiring Blake Snell, one of your questions would be, oh, he hasn't pitched more than six innings though yet since he had that mm. surgery, and mm. if you're the Rays. You have to kind of say, well, that's our fault because we didn't want to let him pitch six innings or more. And then, you know, why didn't you? And, well, then, you know, you don't want to admit, well, that's what the numbers said because you're supposedly saying you did it based on gut feeling and, and eye test and all that. So it is a little bit of an interesting dynamic. That would be the only, I think, concern that a team would have would be, you know, he just mm-hmm. hasn't been extended yet. He hasn't completed six innings. He hasn't, you know, had one of those, you know, he, he he's maybe thrown 100 pitches, but he hasn't thrown them where he's pitching in the eighth inning of a game, you know, and he's battling and then talking to him the other night. And I didn't get a chance to use all this yet, but he was saying that's why he wanted to stay in that game. He said in his mind, 
his stuff, his game plan, the way the hitters were reacting to his pitches, he said there was no doubt in his mind he was going to be able to keep them where they were and get into that eighth inning of that game. And and then, you know, his whole mindset and mentality was, you know, he was going to get them into the eighth, the bullpen would take it from there, and then they'd have Charlie Morton in game seven. And, and that's what he was kind of focused on. And so, yes, I do think Blake Snell's value, he just turned 28 years old on Friday. He's got three years left at $39 million. I think that's a pretty good deal in relative you know, terms to what baseball players are making these days. And um, I think there would be a number of teams interested, if not many teams interested. Uh, and then, you know, what do the Rays get back? I mean, they, they kind of created, you know, they're a victim of their own success sometimes. They created the yeah. gold standard with the Chris Archer trade. And, mm-hmm. you know, take take the positional aspect out of it, but – you know, they got back two major league ready, young, inexpensive players with really high ceilings in Meadows and Glass now. And they got back a, you know, young, so thus not on the 40 man roster prospect who's got a really high ceiling in Shane Boz. So, you know, sure, could you shut your eyes and, and figure out where the matchup is? But, you know, they get a pitcher to replace now in the rotation. They get a young catcher that can step in this year and, and be their guy for a number of years, and they get a prospect. You know, and maybe it's four guys and the prospect isn't as good, or it's two guys and you don't get a prospect, but some kind of combination like that. But what they got for Chris Archer, you know, creates a high bar. It creates a, a motivation for the Rays, and it also probably creates some trepidation in the industry because those people that made that trade for the Pirates aren't working for the Pirates anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, yeah. do you want to be the next team? I mean, look, the Cardinals are a really good organization, but there's some self-accounting going on with the Cardinals. How yep. did they trade Randy Rosarena? And, and they got a really good pitching prospect in Matt Libertor. There's no doubt about that. But you think that how'd that go around uh, Bush Stadium the week of the ALCS and the week of the World Series when Randy Rosarena was literally breaking records that you know, some of the greatest in the game had set for postseason success. I mean, there got to be a little few people in the Cardinal organization going, man, the Rays took us too. Yeah. So I, I do think they'll run into a little bit of that among teams of being like, man, if they want these guys, maybe we shouldn't trade them because they must think they're going to be really good and they're usually right. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. And after a while, nobody wants to deal with you because they think you're always going to win the trade. So um, that becomes an issue for sure. But um, certainly, certainly, uh, the Chris Archer deal was one that is going to continue to play out in their favor for you know for a while to come. Speaking of prospects, you just did mention one. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wander Franco um, had a little, I don't know if it's a scare, but there, there was that report about um, you know him him leaving uh, or being shut down in winter ball because kind of a sore shoulder. What do you, what do you know about uh, where he's at? Yeah. And you know, it, it definitely was a, a scare. I think that's a fair way to put it. I mean, you have the number one prospect in the game who's never really had any injury issue ever. And suddenly he's got a sore shoulder and can't throw. So the fact that the Rays, you know, brought him back to the States to be checked out by uh, Coco Eaton, their team orthopedist, the doctor here in St. Petersburg, and they wanted him to see him and, and, you know, assess him, do the MRI that, 
you know, bring them here immediately made you realize how concerning they were, how concerning it was. And they say it was good news. Uh, he was clear to play. He's good to go. No, no long-term concern, but you know, there's always going to be a concern when somebody has to come off the field and Wanda Franco didn't play any games, obviously in 2020, he was in the 60 man pool. He was on the postseason roster pool. He traveled with them, but he hadn't played a game since playing a handful of winter ball games a year ago. So he was going to play three or four weeks with uh, Escogito in the Dominican Republic. And after he only played five games, they did shut him down. They decided they didn't want to risk him playing again. You know, he'd have to go back through COVID protocol. So he would have ended up being shut down for almost two and a half weeks uh, between coming here to get checked out and getting back there and getting cleared again. So uh, a little disappointing, I think a little concerning, but uh, talking to Eric Neander about it today or yesterday, he basically said that you know, they are they were relieved that it was nothing serious and they'll be happy to have him back on the field ready to go in 2021. And this will be his year, right? I mean, in other words, he'll, will he get an opportunity to, to, to stick with the club through spring training and, and go, you know, right? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, as, as they are made up right now, and, and obviously there's going to be some changes, but I don't think he'll open the season with the team. I really don't. I mean, wow. he, you know, he hasn't played above Class A and Mm-hmm. You know, nothing against Wander, and he's shown great talent every step he's made, but he played part of the 2019 season in Port Charlotte at the advanced Class A level yeah. and started the season at you know low A level in Bowling Green. So he, he still hasn't played any upper-level games. Now, sure, did he do good in five games in the Dominican Republic? Absolutely. Did he look good during all these workouts they had? But my guess would be he'll open the season uh, – probably a double a and then if you know maybe he'll be one of those guys that makes a quick progression double a to triple a and then triple a to the big leagues but you know now does that change if they you know have an injury if they do something unexpected and trade brandon lau or trade uh, willie adamas or trade joey wendell and or yandy diaz i mean if they suddenly have an opening i mean wander diaz wander franco is a shortstop by trade but he's uh They've already discussed this with him, and you know Neander's on the record as saying you know, he's able to play other positions too. So, you know, if they had an opening at second, or they had an opening at third, and kept Willie Adamas, or they decided to move Willie Adamas, that could change this. But I think we'll see Wander Franco at some point in 2021, but I don't think it'll be opening day. And of course, a lot of this uh, we're assuming that there will be some minor league baseball for Wander to, to play, and that's you know certainly something that. Uh... And there'll be an has. opening day, we're assuming, too, if yeah, you want to that, be quite honest about right, it. Right, right, exactly. There's certainly a lot of labor issues and things to work through. Um, why don't you ask you about this, because I uh, didn't have a lot of chance to talk to you uh, all that much since the World Series, but um, you mentioned uh, a minute ago, you know, Randy Rosarina, and, and he had an incident in Mexico uh, detained by police. I know that uh, baseball, Major League Baseball, is is looking into that, and, and the Rays certainly aren't ones to comment but let, let's let's put that aside just for the moment mark i've never you've been in baseball a long time you covered this game uh, from the beginning um of the rays and even way before that but I, I don't think i've ever seen somebody burst onto the scene especially as late as he did in a, a rose arena and and set the records he set in the postseason, I mean this 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 cannot be a fluke. This cannot be, uh, you know, a one hit wonder. I, I I just don't think it's possible because he had a lot of hits, quite frankly, uh, and most of them home runs. This guy has a clutch gene to him, and they simply couldn't get him out. He made adjustments to the curveball if they wanted to throw him down. If they want, I mean, I saw everything I need to see from this guy who can run, he can hit, he can throw, and he can field. And he's one of the most exciting prospects in baseball. There's no doubt about it. 
it's it's pretty interesting when you have the greatest player in the history of baseball and you don't realize it till a month or <laughs> two months season, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, look, you, you always talk about you know if you if things unfolded differently, if you could you know remake things, change the recipe, if if t- the timeline was different. I mean, what if Randy Arozarena doesn't have COVID at the start of spring training too, and he's in camp with the Rays from the start and he's looking that mm. good? I mean, I don't think he makes the team in their plans, but if he had played so great in those two or three weeks of camp, would that have changed things? I mean, would they have looked differently? Would they have won more games? Would they have won less games? I mean, it would have been a different makeup to the team, obviously. But look, what he did was incredibly impressive. I, I do think what has to, you know, what has to be proven now is, you know, being able to do it over mm-hmm. you know, six months, not a month and a half. And, yeah. and, you know, obviously he's not going to do it over six months at the rate he played for a month and a half or two months between, you know, the last month sure. of the regular season and the month of the postseason or the 20 games in the postseason. But, you know, how, how does he do over the course of a full season? Does he stay healthy? I mean, those are your standard questions. But I, I agree with you. You've seen guys that have big postseasons or a big couple weeks or a big month or something. But to do what Randy Arozarena did in the month of September and then more so in the month of October and, you know, again, again, Against better competition, too. I mean, you know, who were they playing? They played the Yankees. They're pretty mm-hmm. good. They played the Astros. They're pretty good. Their pitching wasn't as good as it had been, and, and that's got to be noted there. And they played the Dodgers, who have really good pitching, too. And, and he did this against three really good teams and, you know, some really good pitchers, both starters and relievers, uh, between those two squads, so three squads. So, absolutely. I mean, I think he uh, basically has to force them, you know, their plans for 2021 – you know, as they unfold, whatever they end up doing are certainly different than they would have been or the Rays would have expected them to be because he's got to be in there. I mean, we saw him play, you know, in the in September and in the postseason against righties and lefties and just pretty much an everyday guy, whether he was in left field or whether he was at DH. And I would certainly think as the Rays go into 2021, you know, he's that right-handed bat that they've been looking for, and it turns out they had him right there. No doubt. And, and because they have – um, sort of an excess of guys that can play in the outfield um, as, as everyday outfielders, as well as guys, um, you know, they can move between the infield and the outfield. What does this do now to uh, a guy specifically like Kevin Kiermeyer, who's had a long career, um, certainly a, a sort of a face of a franchise guy, and yet limited somewhat offensively, still a, still a Gold Glove type type player. I don't know why he didn't win one this past year, but he probably was deserving. Um, does this impact his future? Yeah, I, I think it does. And, and, you know, as we sit here today, the Rays have six outfielders on their 40-man roster, and, and the rosters for this season or the coming season are supposed to be 26. You know, that, again, as many other things, subject to change depending on when the season starts, how long it is, you know, what the virus status is, all those questions that we can't answer yet. But on a 25- or 26-man roster, having six outfielders seems like probably too many. Uh, and, and none of them being like your kind of DH type where, okay, we can count on this guy to play every day at DH. Maybe you're rotating it around. But I, I do think it couldn't change their thinking. And as, as the Rays go forward, you know, uh, ne- Eric Neander, the general manager, has used uh, what I think are some code words saying they need to be flexible. They need to be responsive to the mm-hmm. economics of the game. To me, that sounds like it's not a team that's certainly going to be adding payroll. I don't know if they have to cut or just maintain or where that's going to stand. But I do think that it's a pretty good sign they're not going to be expanding their payroll. And if they're willing to trade Blake Snell, who makes $10.5 million this coming season, 
I would think they are just as willing and maybe in a weird way even more so to trade Kevin Kiermeyer, who makes $11.5 million and has another year guaranteed and then an option the third year after that. So a little less guarantee than Blake, but you know, it would accomplish uh, taking a chunk off the payroll if that's the goal and probably a little easier to replace uh, Kevin Kiermeyer than Blake Snell if you had to make a trade because you have the extra outfielders. I mean, you could put uh, Manuel Margot in center field as a right-handed hitter. You could put Brett Phillips out there as a left-handed hitter. Right. I think if you were going to just look at it in a vacuum and say, are you a better, if you, if you, if you had to pick, and we don't know what they're going to do, but if you had to pick, I think that's a better raised team from what they are working from now. If you had Blake Snell rather, and you traded Kevin Kiermaier than the other way around. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. Pitching and defense go uh, hand in glove, as they say, but I, I still think much harder to find those pitchers um, than the, the excessive outfielders that you currently have. He's Mark Tompkin, and normally he would be headed to Dallas for the winter meetings, but instead he's going to stay at his beautiful uh, his beautiful home on the water and watch the sunsets and, uh, you know, type from his balcony and, and, and then make us all jealous with the Okay, Facebook Mr. Post. Run on the Beach when you get the chance to. Now, don't don't, don't <laughs> yeah. totally go too well, far. I have to ask to stay out there. You just simply <laughs> live there. There's a big difference, but I appreciate the uh, the restaurant recommendations when I go to St. Pete Beach. Um, exactly. You're welcome anyway. anytime. I'll, I'll make sure to tell the guard to let you in. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate <laughs> it. And uh, enjoy the off season. What's left of it? I know. I know you're working while while uh, we're all suffering through the uh, you know the usual sort of uh, away from the office, working at home. So I hope you and Sue have plenty of room over there. You know, yep. for an office. Doing and fine, and I'll, I'll be re- ready to help you out for that big uh, Super Bowl game. Assuming we. Yeah, I heard that, that game's going to be played here. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see who's in it, it. but uh, not sure the Bucks will be there. But we'll see. So he's Mark Topkin. Check him out on TampaBay.com. Thanks, Mark. All right, guys. Hey, the Bucks are back at practice uh, today, and so we'll have a chance to go out there and watch them come off the bye week. We'll have a, also an opportunity to talk to Indomitian Sue. Ronald Jones, Rojo will also be on the Zoom calls, and Bruce Arians. So we'll have some news from that, and Tom Jones. My former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, will join us as well. And then later in the week, Matt Baker will break down all the college football for you as we go into the uh, really the last week of the of the regular season uh, for most teams. Florida playing LSU, of course, might be an Ohio State-Michigan game, although can't imagine why Michigan would want to play that one, but we'll see. And, folks, make sure to uh, check out our friends at Mr. Empanada. You know, it's the holiday season, and there's a lot of great ways to celebrate the holidays. You can get together with family and friends, and you can go ahead and call Mr. Empanada and order some of their beautiful mini empanadas or Cuban sandwiches. Um, You can order a lot online at MrEmpanada.com or call any one of their seven. That's right, seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay. Do that now because we know you're going to get together with, with, with your family. Uh, where Latin food, quality, and service meet, it's Mr. Empanada. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 